0: All right, we made it to episode two. This is the Mercenary Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Monahan, and on this show, we brought our good friend uh, Thompson Plyler. We asked him that he give us the most candid reflection that he could on being both a training coach for prospective firefighters in New York City, uh, but also about his past as being a very fairly prominent dating coach and you know, pickup artist. Uh, that said, the theme of this episode is really Mastery and what it takes to to excel at a skill. Uh, I'll be honest, you don't hear a lot from me on this episode, uh, mostly because I was on the edge of my seat, uh, and Thompson can talk quite a bit. You know, agree or disagree, he's a pretty fascinating guy to listen to. Uh, We went kind of long on this one, so I'll get right to it. Thanks for listening.
1: All right, well, welcome to episode two of the Mercenary Podcast. This is Dan Clifton. I'm here with Matt Monahan, And we're joined tonight by technically, well, I say technically, but actually, in reality, our first guest, um, one Thompson Plyler. We're very excited to have on the podcast today. I'm excited to be here. Super excited. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm a film producer. Matt is a... Uh, UX designer i think that's correct right would you consider yourself a web designer or how do you how do you define yourself these days i, I think i'm trying to be a
0: ux designer i i try to inspire people to are better than myself to
2: to design
1: which is a great segue into into what thompson does uh, thompson what do you what do you say you do these uh, these days
2: uh, i would say that 90% of the time i'm a personal trainer and a coach um, and then 10% of the time i'm a dating coach um, and that pretty much is my, my, How I earn my daily bread So
1: Now we all met um, I went to uh, NYU with Thompson Which was uh, not so long ago But a little bit, a little bit ago And uh, we all met in New York And um, uh, Did a movie with Thompson a while ago That Matt actually appeared in We won't say where that is Or where you can find that We'll keep it secret <laughs> But Matt, Matt had a cameo in that film, right?
0: The only movie I think I've ever been in. Yeah.
2: Dude, you brought down the house. Yeah. Uh, you were uh, you were, you were the you stole the show. Everybody you, everybody was talking about you.
0: Are you being serious? Are you, not, are you making not, fun of me right now?
2: I'm making fun of you. I am no way serious <laughs> about your three second role.
1: <laughs> I remember that you uh, I we conveniently filmed that. I think you were always gonna be in it, because Thompson said, I need somebody who sort of looks like a slub who could be a web designer in an office, right? And I was it, 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 in a cubicle, was
2: like, and like 50, fifty could be a rapist. Like we were, we were like, <laughs> like we could any go either way. That's I,
1: I think I nailed it,
2: <laughs> so to speak. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so we were, we were like so potentially a creepy guy in the back of office, and that's sort of how it came about. But I remember, and this is something that you should always. Uh, this is not exactly rocket science, but if you're if you're making your movie. Don't make it over Halloween weekend, because uh, I feel like the, ne- the day that you were supposed to be on set, we were in New Jersey, and I feel like you were just like two hours late because you were like, well, it was Halloween last night. <laughs> I feel like he- I feel like that was your, uh, your introduction to Thompson, but maybe not. I guess maybe you guys knew each other before that. I can't remember. So It was a while yeah, I
0: remember it was raining, and I was standing in, in a vestibule of some building, and I had never met Thompson before. And I'm like, is this the guy? Is this, is this it? And he just leaves me. And he's like, hey, killer. And I was like, "All right," <laughs> I was like, "Yep, that's the guy." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Calling you killer—that's really funny. Um. So yeah, that was. I think you were also in the scene too, which was which was genius. That you were also—it was like your director's cameo with random Matt Monahan cameo in the scene. Maybe I'm. Uh, maybe I'm. Uh, Recalling incorrectly.
2: No, that's that's 100 correct. I we we actually in that incredibly incredibly dark movie back when I was a much more cynical person uh, wrote I wrote that when I was very cynical. For anybody listening, um, I'm again, it this thing will not see the light of day, uh, for a number of reasons, but it is a uh, an incest rape ghost story. So, um, very fairly right. dark, fairly dark material, um, and because uh, I was a very broody film kid and for a film adult at that point point. Um, and uh, and so literally the only funny part was uh, the uh, very dark joke that uh, Matt's character and my character uh, had and then the rest of it just went back right to incest rape So,
0: meanwhile right. I, had, I had no idea what this movie was about it was just like <laughs> office worker number two uh, you just have to say something kind of funny
1: but every yeah, NYU right. film has to have, uh, you know, it's sort of dark. But every NYU film has to have a drug overdose, uh, uh, a sexual encounter, a suicide. I mean, usually it's a requirement to have all of those in the same <laughs> film. Right?
0: I should have seen that coming.
2: Wasn't right. there? Wasn't there? There was one girl. Didn't she do a shoot where one of the climactic shots was a gun coming out of somebody's vagina? Wasn't was, going to say
0: that. There? You just said it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yes. Cool. I yes. remember the, that the answer if you're keeping score at home, the answer is yes. I, I, think I remember people, I
0: think... Dan sat me down, he showed me that video. I <laughs> I got up, I opened the window to his like tenth story dorm and, and just like contemplated jumping out for a second. I was like, This what is this? What is going you on know, here?
2: I, you know the thing is though, I think now as now having having worked in the um, adult uh, like, you know, as a, as a grown-up working in grown-up film and working in uh, for an animation company and sort of seeing what happens when it's time to earn your daily bread and what it means to, um, to do that, I think it's really good to have a place where you can tell whatever stories you want because it's more about getting those things out there and making a thing. I think now looking back um, I think I guess probably a lot of people have this mentality but it's like I wish I wish I had been a bit more iterative just because it's such a safe place and you're surrounded by all these people who have the same vision and the same goal I think that's one of the things I really admire about you Dan is just you you were just so aggressive about just producing 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 and creating 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 and helping other people realize their visions and I mean I think even though it's it's true it's axiomatic that the the Content that comes out of film school is going to be, you know, bro- dark and broody and stuff like that. But it's but I mean, it's also, you know, it's artists trying to get their feet wet and trying to figure out what their holy truth that they need to tell is. And you know, thank God for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, oh, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I think the thing about film school is that we make fun of it continuously, but really, it's like it's like this process it's not a results based thing it's a process you're um you the people that you meet there we'll have robin arnott on this podcast at some point but um but like everyone's crazy and that's fine because everyone's doing weird projects uh people are just doing really strange experiments and like that's fine cuz you're just getting that out of your system and and you're totally right like even now um you know there's tons of experimental projects that I would love to do that I can't do um, you know now that you, you know people just do it film school and it's it's great. I remember Thompson. You revealed very early on, and you were very, very secretive about it. But you were like, when we met, you were like, well, you know, I, I have a strange kind of job. And ultimately, that's sort of what this podcast is about. Is like it 's just talking to people who have interesting, uh, interesting careers. They do interesting stuff. They have interesting hobbies. But I remember early on, you were like, I change people's lives, and. And, um, I'm not sure if you said it quite like that because that was kind of weird, but, uh, you said I changed people's lives and then eventually you revealed what that meant and, and what did that mean at the time and how that changed?
2: Um, well, what it meant at the time and I guess what it means now in that, in that context was go around the world and teach these three day workshops on, um, for guys, how to get, gr- uh, for guys on how to get girls. And, um, uh, for people who are listening and their kind of ears perk up, it, yeah, it's related to the pickup artist community. And um, I was taught originally by this guy who's um, kind of a luminary in that community named Mystery. But I try to distance myself from anything like that because, you know, the more the more you get to actually just calling it pickup artist stuff, it's the then you get weird people and weird stuff and weird associations, and I don't, I'm, I don't like to think anything like that because. One thing, I think women are people, so that's pretty novel. Um, and I don't want to treat them like uh, you know, like an enemy or like an object or anything like that. Um,
1: is that. Is that, you're saying that's pretty novel for the pickup artist community? Yeah, of yeah.
2: And, uh, you know, the thing is, anytime you talk about it, anytime you have an origin in that, you automatically, if anybody knows about it, they've made a decision. They either think it's really cool or they think it's super weird. And they have, you know, the pickup, pickup kind of went mainstream and it, it went mainstream is weird. Right? So people have an idea about what it is. And, I, and that's fine. That's fine because the thing is the way it looks in orbit is not the way it looks on the ground. And I'm totally – I recognize that the relationship that I have with my students and the relationship they have with, um, with, with the women in their lives is – it is, that is its own thing. And people can take whatever perceptions they want. But the thing is nobody comes to that class environment uh, if they're whole nobody comes if they don't have a need nobody comes if they're if they don't if they're if they there needs to be this weird combination of like a fundamental optimism about the human character or at least hope for themselves and then also uh, uh, uh like a grasping you know it's like there's something wrong and um that you know the thing about that is that's going to lead to all kinds of weird people but it's also going to lead to all kinds of amazing people because anytime you talk about self-improvement uh you're gonna you're gonna take you get you got a bell curve of what kind of people and what level of weirdness and what level of extraordinary you're going to be dealing with and so um i uh i'm very 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 proud of of the work but i also recognize that you know, there's some people who hear it and are going to hear this, and they're going to go, "What the f? Like that? That guy's a weirdo." Automatically, and that and that's cool. You know, I, can't, I can't. Well, just stop. to
1: back up, uh, mystery was the guy with the hat, right? He had the VH1 yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, right.
2: yeah. That that
0: that's dude. everyone knows the hat.
1: Yeah, I feel like that. That's when it sort of popped, right? That's sort of when it became. I guess when the game was published, so right? Keep in mind this this show came out like the day before
0: I met you.
2: It's <laughs> really funny, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I was actually involved in the pickup community before the game came out, and there was all this hullabaloo about, you know, oh, they're going to expose all our secrets. And I was like, I don't think so. I got a little more faith in not not the material, but the premise of, of what actually works. The underpinnings of how people behave in the economy of desire is not... Gonna change, and that that will never change. So maybe
1: it's just terms like economy of desire that that have turned people against you. <laughs> it's, maybe it's just the. Uh- what
2: no nobody has said that but me i mean it's the it's the acronyms that turn people away from people it's the thing right. calling something you know so if you give a compliment it's an ioy if you give a if you right, if you that. if you tease somebody it's called a <laughs> neg or an iod and that kind of crap and it's like and i'm pretty strongly against that um my my handle within that community's future, and whenever people meet me, they you know like they have a tough time because they want to call me by that because I have a lot of material. I've got hours and hours and hours and hours of material out there, and um, and I'm always like, dude, just call me Thompson because I'm not an X man. So therefore, like, you no, know, if you give me if you give me, some, if you give me some silly name, then what you're doing is distancing yourself from from people. Like you know, get, going by a handle is just is weird, and so and and part of the problem is you're already. Weird in a way that distances you from your desires socially. So, you had to find a happy medium between being your absolute most unapologetic and best self, but at the same time, recognizing if you can't recognize those places where you are rubbing roughly against the social fabric, then you have no hope of reconciling the parts that you don't want and the parts that you do want of yourself and becoming the best version of you. So, um, I say the economy of desire because I think that's the best way to phrase it. Um, well
1: call me crazy though um, I'm not sure we'll get into the kind of people that you work with both as a trainer and um, as a dating coach but to me and I never read the game I don't know I think Matt you may have read it um, yep, but got it. it's to me it's just isn't it just about being confident and sort of putting yourself out there I mean this may sound like stupid but isn't it kind of just I don't know like people in a world where everyone just uses you know no one can talk to each other right that's how i see things it's it's like is it about human interaction and about where that's going and and it's just about bucking that trend and just being personable and actually being engaging or am i simplifying it completely
2: well uh, that is what it is but that's that is very simple because when you that's that's like saying um how do you how do you perform heart surgery well you just you know you fix what's wrong and don't kill the person (laughs) <laughs> um, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point, everything can be simplified. But if you are a highly technical person who's focused on grades or focused on um, focused on really, really like deeply analytical things and you haven't had the ability to – you, you haven't gone to the parties. You haven't hung out. You were not part of the cool crowd. You weren't on any sports teams because it wasn't valued in your household or you were just were like me. You just didn't like team sports or whatever, you know, like any of those things that kind of get you out there and social, anything, any of those things that socialize you, whatever they are, I'm using very stereotypical examples, but you know, that people, the culture kind of takes that stuff for granted. Yet everybody acknowledges that, you know, women are mystifying and, you know, it's like you either have it or you don't and you're either that guy or you're not. And yeah. And the thing is, if you get down to the the mechanics of it, you're talking about the you know to, to discuss the mechanics of it is to do the exact same thing that writers, great writers, have done for all time. And it's the it because it, you couldn't have beautiful love stories that have lasted centuries if peop, certain people couldn't pick apart the mechanics of human interaction, throw them together, and lay them out for the world to see.
1: So, so you're saying it's sort of like people where it's like well in order to write a great script you need to know script structure even if you completely flip it on its head and you try and do something else with it to break the rules you must know the rules and therefore even something that seems organic and and creative ultimately yeah. probably follows a similar structure that if you follow you'll be in a good spot. Yeah
0: it seems like one one component is just like the awareness of of uh you know indicators it's that someone's interested like like you said I think isn't that what IOI stands for yeah yeah I mean like, but
2: yeah and that's the thing what's weird is what's really interesting to me is uh, so you know from my my company uh, my old, my old company uh, love systems um, the guys there you know the, the top instructors the lead guys there's not one of them that thinks super mechanically about game not one of them is going to sit there and 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 think about IOI IOD qualification disqualification all these weird little terms and all the all that structural stuff that every one of them can right if you ask them to take apart the bones of interaction they can get hyper hyper technical but in the moment they don't and and when they really like a girl they don't with my girlfriend i never think about that stuff it doesn't even occur to me i just I'm just real, and I really, really like her, and I and I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, I, I can't get enough of her, and that's that's what I, you know, that's that's how I am, right? I don't I don't think about the mechanical aspect of it, but I can I can take it apart, I can I can dissect it, I can do it with my parents' relationship, I can do it with anything because I have that tool set, right? But if you know, but the thing is, that's kind of the way it is with anything. If you listen to a really great guitarist you know he's he's not he's not when he when he's 8 years old he's sitting there meticulously looking at his hands while he's going over the scales but as he gets better he can do it fluidly he can he can play the instrument fluidly and he doesn't think about it he's using it as a tool of self-expression and that i think that's kind of the way it is with any skill where there can be any kind of virtuosity including socializing and i say this like for with, with reverence to my mother my mother is just a social ninja and I, you could, if you ask her about it, she thinks about it very technically. She knows what she's doing because she's like, I have to get this result. I have to get these people who disagree to agree. I have to make this peace with these people. I have to have this political alliance and this stupid thing, whether it's a church group or whether it's family or whatever. But she's, she's methodical. She's super-duper methodical. She just has a you – know, she doesn't use the same language. But it's the same thing. It's just it's, – it's taking apart the structure of human interaction and figuring out how that works. But a good example, like you said, to know the rules, you have to break them. When I met my girlfriend, very, very quickly I said two things that I sometimes have been sort of cagey about in the past. One of them is I love video games and the other is about the love systems connection. And I just told her – Right. St- you
1: admitted – like when we, when we actually met, you were very reticent to actually discuss – and that was actually a big thing. You're like, I, when I meet the one, I'm just so concerned that when I when I actually fess up about, it's not the only thing I do, but when I fess up about one of the things that I do as a job, it, it's like, is it real? Is it, you know, because you were kind of concerned about that. But obviously, it seems as though you've moved moved way past, past that.
2: Way right. past. You know, it's funny because you met me in, um, oh, I mean, I was still very much evolving at that time. And I... I had actually met a really special girl, um, and uh, that sort of cageyness uh, uh, was was a real problem in that relationship. But uh, I, you know, the thing is, I got outed. Is really what happened. Um, I got outed on uh, so that the um, my name came up in my top ten in Google was this connection and sort of telling who, the world who I was. So if anybody met me and googled me, it was just that was like. You know one of the first four results
1: so well that's definitely interesting i mean uh relationship google stalking obviously is is a fascinating <laughs> topic but yeah i mean so one day one day did you just refresh and you were like oh shit no no what's, actually it's gonna uh, happen now
2: uh that, uh that girl told me she goes have you do you know that they like your real name is out there i was like what and it was with a group of people who i don't i don't even want to give them um, validity but uh but they they said who I was i was like all right well that's that, you know. Like, I can't talk to Google about it. I can't. I certainly can't tell these people to to take it down because they did it maliciously. They're doing it on purpose. So, I was like, all right, well, gotta own it because it's there. So, um, I kind of made my peace with it. Pretty, qu- I mean, like, really, it took like a night. I was just like, all right, well, that's that's what it is. And the thing is, now it's on. You know, I put it on resumes. I put it on. I just bring it up because it's it's what I did. And more to the point, it's like I'm up for the challenge. I'd rather. You know the thing we have this we have this world where people don 't want to look at things as they are people want to uh, people want to hear a story about reality whether it 's whether it 's dating whether it 's um, you know feminism whether it 's race relations whether it 's um, you know how the media works whether it 's politics whether it 's um, you know, fitness, whatever people have, people sort of have these narratives that they want to subscribe to, and if you get down to the nitty gritty of people who are going to make a change in those things, you got to deal with nuance, nuance, and you got to deal with reality. And I come at it with perhaps a lot of anecdotal evidence, but it's still a lot of evidence of this is how men and women are, this is how men and women behave, this is what happens when you put them together, and. One person wants another. This is what happens. This is this is this is this is the thing. So, if it challenges your worldview, it's up to you to redesign your worldview. It's not up to everybody else to subscribe to it. And I think that we have this weird problem where um, people want the world to be one way, and uh, with, in a lot of ways, I think I think it's a just like a huge. This, it's 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 the scope is enormous where people want the world to be a way and. And the world doesn't care, you know. The world doesn't, the, you know, the the whatever it is. And so, um, that's the way I feel about dating and and uh, my work as a dating coach is. It's like, listen, this is this is how it is, and this is what I did. So you figure out your response to it. I'll be here because I know what I did. I know the differences I've made. I know the couples I've put together. I know the marriages I'm responsible right. for. No, no so, one can
0: catch you in any kind of like lie or anything. You're just like, no, that's that's it. That's, you. You have all the information. More I'm the point.
2: Here. More the point. I'm proud of it. I mean, right. the things, I don't—I wasn't very proud of it um, when when Dan met me, because I felt I still felt that I was like I had that kind of adversarial posture toward, like I was like going to be found out, right? Um, and I think I just—I got to the point where I just didn't. Care about being fat out because I'm like yeah I'm hitting on you yeah I'm you know I'm yeah I'm flirting and you know or you know did you learn that line in a book I but like, yeah I did how's it working you know it's like I it, <laughs> it just stopped caring I stopped giving a fuck and and as a result it, a it improved my game but b it's like I just don't want to live a life where I have to hide I don't want to live a life where I have to hide that's really all there is to it and so I prefer this where I just say, This is what it is and you can take it or leave it but I'm you know, I have a I have a kind of take it or leave it personality anyway. I'm a you know, I've I can I can get on people's nerves and
0: that's
2: yeah. and that's the thing is if I if I try to be somebody everybody's gonna like, it's not it's not really gonna be me. I'm 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 a bit too so, out of that.
1: So. so before you were sort of like, well, you know, people can't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman because if Bruce Wayne and Batman's enemies realize that, they can hurt the ones around you. And what? now and now you're sort of like I've accepted that fact. Right now, so, I'm
2: Spider-Man in Civil War removing the mask uh, at Iron Man's behest. And uh, did comic you comics. also
1: tell your girlfriend that you're a huge comic book nerd too? Was that a, was that also a prerequisite? Oh, yeah, no. That- she,
2: you know what? She's 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 on board. She knows all the she knows all the stuff. And uh, and and God bless her. I mean, she's she's uh, I <laughs> she knows about Dungeons and Dragons, all that stuff. So
1: all the all the skeletons have been uh, revealed in the closet. Oh, yeah. um,
2: <laughs> I actually I actually gave her my blogs. I gave her. My, um, my, these things that they're not even on the internet anymore. But I'm sure if, if one of your listeners doesn't have homework, I'm sure he can find them. But, um, but, uh, but they, they don't, they don't, they're not out there. But I was like, I was like, listen, we're getting real serious and I want you to know exactly who you're dealing
1: with. So, like, you're just like, here's everything. Because yeah, yeah, at this like, point, here's everything. If there's an issue, there's an issue, but here it is.
2: Yeah. I was like, I was like, you need to know what you're getting into because I'm definitely not perfect but I'm nuts about you and so let's just figure out where this is and if you, you know, I just want you to know before we get a lot more serious and so so far so good, you know? I mean
1: so on the day to day, so it kind of brings me to a question about like the kind of people that you are working with. On the day to day, who were your clients? And what did you what was, uh, what, what was like a typical interaction like?
2: Well, it's really tough because they I would say So first of all, twenty percent of our clients are like all they need. Like my actually my former roommate, um, I I won't name him because he's got a job that um, is connected to the government. But uh, he was uh, like he's what I call just like uh, all he needed was one day, and he needed permission because he goes, "Hey, I have a lot of female friends. I really, you know, like I've got a big social circle. Like people like me. Like I'm a popular guy, but I'm just." They're all my female friends. And I'm like, have you tried hitting on them? He's like, what? <laughs> like, sometimes you just need to be a little more aggressive. And that's, if they already like you, then they might have already wanted that. And he was like, oh. And it changed his life. And it sounds really crass. And I'm sure there's somebody listening, you know, there's some, some, someone who can misconstrue that. But it's like, you know, you got to make a move. That's really the key is you got to make a move,
1: and sometimes. So move, you define that as asking, like he needed permission, like it, it's the sort of it's the sort of it. thing where um, it's like he was afraid that the status quo would change if right. he did anything.
2: And if, and the thing is, it might say, you know there are people who say, well, that's not worth three thousand dollars. That piece of advice is not worth three thousand dollars. It sure as fuck was to him.
1: It
0: <laughs> yeah. Sure as
2: fuck was to him. Yeah. Because to him, he needed somebody. Who was like, dude? This is what you have to do, and he hadn't found it until he met me. And I was the one who says, "Here's what you need to do. Here's how to do it in a way that won't get you killed or or slapped or or to whatever." And you know, be prepared for rejection because rejection happens. Don't be don't be a creep, but make a move. And damned if he didn't get amazing. Damned if he didn't. You know, he just he just what a what what a protege, what a, what a, what a, and his girlfriend, I, I, you know, we hang out all the time, she's beautiful, she's super cool, um, you know, so, that's that. Then I would say 60% of the population that I, that I've taught, it's like, I, I would put myself in that group, where it's like, you gotta, you gotta work, you, you have a point of view, you have a way of doing it, and you, uh, have, uh, parts of your ego, that are going to strive to resist change. And if you keep banging against the wall, you have revelations. And then those revelations will become a real skill set. And then the skill set will just become a way of life and a personality change. And then you won't recognize yourself. And that is, um, and I would say, a, a non-trivial portion of our instructors are like that. Because, you know, it's just, you know, we all came from a pretty low place and um, and I think that that uh, you yeah, that's 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 it's tough because it's like I, t- and I and I warn the students I warn anybody who comes to me for that I say you might you might not want it bad enough you might not be low enough you might not need to fix this badly enough you might get settled in complacency you you don't know um, and then there's twenty percent who they're just too married to their own misery there, or they, they, yeah, I mean, they're, or they're, or that's that's not fair. They just, they don't have the internal machinery to put in the effort required to make the changes, and the, because the changes are so drastic, I don't believe anybody is truly hopeless. But sometimes the it's like, you know, can you write? A nine series, a nine part epic that will outsell uh, Game of Thrones. Well, maybe, but most people aren't even going to put in the work to try it if they've never even written a word of fiction, right? Yeah.
1: Well, is it sort of like people? It's like someone who has amazing genetics. I mean, it's nature versus nurture, right? So, although in this case, I'm sure you know a lot of that was was nurtured around so, who someone is and their personality. But I mean, is it the sort of thing where someone who can jump 15 feet in the air? Like they don't need any any coaching, I mean, do you see people and you say, "Well, you know what this person has zero potential or or is it sort of like what's that like
2: well, I think that it's 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 not zero nobody has zero potential because I mean look at some of the just absolute bags of human trash that have managed to find somebody uh it's not <laughs> it's not that it's not that nobody it's not that anybody doesn't have potential it's that you, you if your attitude isn't right and you Aren't willing to put in hard work, and some of that hard work is just looking in the mirror. Some of that hard work is going. I need, I need to unfuck myself. Uh, if if you're not willing to do that, then you, you're you not going to reap really great results. Um, and that, and I think that's true. You know, as and now again, most of the time I'm a personal trainer, and I mean that's boy, that's I mean, you know, you just need to look around to see that that's true in terms of fitness and nutrition. People just, um. You know, they look in the mirror and they say, yeah, "It's not worth, not worth the change." And it takes a lot of work to really revamp something and to, re- and to shift your life. And um, I, th- I don't, I, but but I do want to say, I would, I don't want to contribute to the cult of total nurture because that's bullshit. That's that's a load of trash. Like, the thing is, if you're attractive. It's 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 easier if you're tall. It's easier if you're rich. It's easier. Um, everybody comes in with certain advantages, and some people have more advantages than others, and that's just a fact. I mean, when I got um, when I got super fit, uh, my game went up. <laughs> like I already had I already had eight years of of being a professional dating coach, and then I got you know I got abs and and big fucking arms, and all of a sudden it became. A lot easier, and uh, you know, there's just no getting around it. People are people, but but the thing is, my game went from freaking great to insane because I had a fat kid skill set, and and so what I what I was able to do was just enhanced, and that uh, you know, I came in with a pretty distinct advantage of um of an expensive education, and a and uh and you know being able to make girls laugh, and so that was that's a certain that's a certain skill set.
1: So you're you're basically claiming that like you were like the the guy at the end of the bench who made the team barely, but worked. You were Rudy, right? Basically, oh. you were you you, you were Rudy who made the team, but then you started doing steroids, and it just completely flipped <laughs> everything. Is, is that sort of what you're saying? Because it's
2: yeah, I was Rudy, man. I was Sean Aston. I was. Uh, I was I was Samwise Gamgee. Uh, it was. Uh,
1: you're you're saying like, the only thing I have is to be funny, and it is that doesn't it work.
2: Realized, and it was pissed me off too because everybody's like, "All you need to do to get girls to be funny." I was like, "I'm already funny. God damn it! Where are these bitches you're talking about? <laughs> like, why, why, Wow why? <laughs> why in the world don't women want me?" To-? By the way, there's some guy listening. Like, well, maybe if you stop calling women bitches. Uh. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, no, I, um, I, it was, yeah, you know, I, I had to suss that out, and I have thoughts about that too, like why being funny isn't necessarily the greatest thing,
1: but, um, but, uh, but no, but it seems like a lot of this is like self growth. I mean, like you said about, it's all about looking in the mirror, whether it's personal training, whether you're motivating people for other things, or if it's dating. I mean, a lot of people. Is it that people just have unreal expectation? Is it is it Hollywood's fault? Is it uh, you know what is is it mainly like self growth and just self evaluation? Or that's that's what it seems like.
2: I think that it's it's also it's self growth, self evaluation, and continued application, continued work, continued reevaluation, and and uh, probably at least some luck. I mean, just, uh, there's I I, I don't want to discount the the role of, you know, heaven's movement in that. I mean I, I, I definitely think that I'm I'm blessed in a lot of ways. I'm very fortunate to have had the life I've had and um and I don't want to discount those opportunities that I had no choice in. And uh but, you know, I think that it is what I always like to say is like we're like self help with this incredible we're like you know, we're super results oriented self help with this really, really, really rewarding result.
1: Right. right. The,
2: the rewarding result is if you do if it, if our class works if if what I do, if what I teach works then there's an orgasm at the end of it and that's pretty cool. Um, but <laughs> if if you know it, 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 and and but the thing is, I think the success rate is something really similar to something like Tony Robbins where you know I think he probably has something really similar but even even smaller percentages at both ends where. You you know the people who who really work at it can can get some results, but there's some people who just they go to a Tony Robbins seminar and they just they just it, he installs a motor on day one and they just never stop going. And there are some people who have to consistently revive it, um, and 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 that's okay too. It's it's like people change is hard and changing yourself is hard. And I would even, and I think most people are are. Are perfectly fine escaping life without significant change, uh, significant self-driven change, and um, and so, in some ways, the tool for that change—if the tool, the, the tool for that change for a lot of people—is love and romance and sex and intimacy, and um, and
1: what well, I—it's a very primal. It's funny. Yeah. It's like in in film, we always talk about like what is the primal. Need right? If your script or your mood doesn't have a primal need, like you're in trouble because it has. It has. We talked about on on last week's show a conflict vacuum. It, you know, it's like the, if it doesn't have a primal urge for people to do stuff, then it's like, why are you watching this? It's not worth your attention.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It, it, people people are so. It's such a huge motivator, and yes, you get a weird pushback because if you're doing it wrong or you're doing it against the way that everybody's been told, then you get you get a lot of you get a lot of pushback but then you got to say like well who are the people who are getting the results that you envy and want like who are if it's money who are the millionaires and billionaires who have taken an unconventional path and like what do they have to say if you if it's about sex and love like who who's dating the women you want like what do they like who what are they what do they have to say and are there any of them that you can model and Look at and say like actually that doesn't that doesn't actually sound so bad. I want to I want to give that a shot.
1: Well, no, um, for sure. I mean, like everything, whether it's investing, whether it's anything, well, whenever I've looked at something and I've, I've seen shortcuts, it's never worked out at all. Like if it's too good to be true, it always is, right. and. Whether it's investing, like the Tony Robbins, like, you know, put some money away over 10 years, like, chances are it's all about self-discipline and delayed gratification. Yeah, like the so people, if-
0: The people that I know who are uh, the most successful, and I, I, I read this recently, and uh, it was like a New York Times article that was just like, the people who are really successful are not working smarter, they really are just working harder. And I think that's absolutely true it's like the, the people that are putting in the overtime and are just really really effective and then just doing way more work than the average person mm-hmm. uh, are are those kinds of people that really are they get with they get the, the 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 uh result that they desire
2: which again it's so funny because i mean again i was I was not a I wasn't. Even though I was a competitive swimmer and I was a marine, I wasn't ever a, like a fitness person. Like I didn't go to the gym on principle or anything like that. Um,
1: I, it seems that like you actually you hate those people. When I actually met you, you actually had a big disdain for those kind of people.
2: <laughs> I really did. I really yeah. did. And uh, and so now uh, the thing is, though, people are like, "Well, you know what? What? What did you do? Like, they, you know, they want to know like all this stuff." And I'm like, I'm like, "I'm just really, really consistent." And then when <laughs> I said. I, you know, I was like, I had, I, I first, I did like a bodybuilding program and I thought that was kind of, it's not really my thing. It's not, those aren't, those aren't, those people are not really uh, cut to be my heroes. So I did a little research and I started doing training that more resembles uh, NFL players, NBA players and SWAT and SEALs. And, and that's about, that's a lot more satisfying for me. And so now it. My age, I'm thirty three years old and I'm faster and stronger, have better balance and more stability, more flexibility than I did when I was a twenty two year old Marine. And the reason for that is not because of some magic formula. I just said who's doing it the best and then I just kept at it. I just I'm at the gym six days a week. And you know, I I make it a point to do it. I make it important. What I would say is defend yeah. the time. It's not make the time, it's defend it they're going to be constant yeah, that's good. I, I like that I yeah like because that.
0: you can always make an excuse for for not going to the gym uh, of course but if it's, you just
2: feel like no this is something that's very important to me and I yeah. have to do this and it's your body it's like it's your fucking body it's it's the carriage that your consciousness gets to
1: walk around in yeah. it's uh, it's well at least, it, in, this at least right, in this life right as yeah. far
2: as we know but the thing is we've got two million years of evolution that has made us into this beautiful machine, this elaborate system of levers and pulleys that is designed for movement and adaptation to that movement. So it behooves us to do that as effectively and consistently as
1: possible, because the body. You're, you're just you're just like, look, we have opposable thumbs. Not many other species have opposable thumbs, so use Pick them. some shit up. Yeah, <laughs> get exactly. out. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Like, where okay. No, but why would you? Why wouldn't you want to like model yourself after bodybuilders? You know, it's like what did Matt? Whenever we were with um, what was my personal trainer? What did he say? It's like these like the health and fitness industry has nothing to do with health and fitness, isn't that what he said? Yep, that's exactly <laughs> like what he said. The, and and, the, and um, I
0: looked around, and this
1: is in you know the Gold's Gym at Venice Beach. I looked around, and I was like, yep, I, I had you're a few free right. like training uh, when I signed up. They, had, they always give you, the, they always get you with the uh, the free training sessions. And you know, like everyone's like really strung out and just weird. And uh, and you, you look around at Gold's Gym in Venice, and you're just like, okay, this is exactly this is exactly where I want to be. Right. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, the
2: thing is, I, I the thing is, I, whatever else you could say about bodybuilders, and I work out at a couple of gyms with some really serious bodybuilders. Their commitment's great. It's just I, I don't think that their goals are quite what I. They don't align with the things that I think are important. I think that bodybuilding is competitive vanity, and I think that there are more interesting ways to stroke one's ego, and. Um, and I think, but but you know, people are always like, "Well, they work so hard." I'm like, "So did Nazis? Like, who <laughs> just because you work hard gives a shit?" It's about what are you doing with that hard work? I, again, hard work is vital hard work is crucial hard work is elemental but what then what are you applying it to which is why it's like i started off and i was doing what's uh what's called a bro split which is uh you know just sort of lifting the isolation four days a week and doing light like, cardio and i was like this is so dumb like it's like <laughs> this is like i'm bored out of my mind and i'm just lit and it's hard it's hard because it's heavy weight but it's not it doesn't you know you don't you don't feel like you're becoming a more advanced life form or anything. So I, I you know, it,
0: a lot of ways. Like if, if you're just doing bodybuilding, you're not, you're just getting bigger and you're not, you're not, uh, any more flexible. Maybe you're even less flexible. Uh, but you can push up like, you know, uh, 300 pounds, uh, you can bench press it, but like it's, you, you don't really have useful, um, uh, well, sometimes
1: though, I mean it's a lot of it's isolation and a lot of times like bodybuilders that I know versus like powerlifters, which is a whole different thing, but like bodybuilders like they're not very agile or strong. And it's so funny when I um I had a trainer and I was like, "So how do you see me?" And he's like, "Well, you're 5'9, I see you at like 230." And I was like, "You do? Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Like like are you are you out of your mind? <laughs> that guy might have been um, out of his mind he was he we won't we will talk about who that the is. i think we is, all know
2: who that is but uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Go ahead. i so i it's funny because um i had this conversation with the uh the head of training at the uh fire department because i train um the female firefighter candidates in new york city and the uh uh which is really really cool and um really rewarding and i'm really proud of my ladies but the uh the, um but he, he mentioned this. He's like, you know, you get guys who come in and they can bench 400 pounds and they think they're going to have it. They got it all made. But it's just, you know, if you don't have that cardiorespiratory strength, you don't have muscle endurance. When it comes time to pull your load over a long period of time and really grind out the the carrying heavy-ass gear and walking up heavy stairs while while doing complicated things and then dragging bodies around and then lifting heavy-ass hoses. So you're, you know, the benching 400 pounds – it's a good start, but it's not necessarily going to prepare you. And you have to use all this oxygen to lug around your big ass body. So it's uh, it's it's you know it's not not ideal. But even powerlifting, powerlifting, it, you know, you, the thing is, it's what's your goal? It's what's your goal? And so I um, I went on uh, before I met my girlfriend. I went on a date where uh, I where the girl was like, let's let's do Soul Cycle. I was
1: like, oh, you did the old workout date? uh, Yes. That's that's, that's a good
2: one. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, like, it was, uh, it was, it was very taxing, but it was, you know, I tried to, like, not have my ego attached to it. It was just, I didn't do, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't training to do an hour of hardcore, uh, bike riding. So it's like, all I needed to do was, was apply that, do it, and then I would be better at it. And so it's, it's just a matter of how are you training. Those bodybuilders are training for – to look a specific way and that is what they're good at and it's not necessarily going to carry over into a lot of other things because they're not necessarily training for those right, things. Right.
1: You ask, ask a bodybuilder best. to do, do soul cycle and you're, you're in trouble. That's, right. That would be, be the worst thing ever. Um, Although I do – I have a business opportunity for you because I'm involved in a firefighter film that I cannot uh, name. Unfortunately, it's a lot of stuff that I just can't talk about until I can talk about it. Um, but I feel like you should just do – how about we brand the firefighter workout? And it's literally it's, – it's carrying – like you work 23 hours in a day and it's just carrying really heavy shit everywhere. <laughs> and it's up and down stairs constantly. It's like repacking hoses. It's uh, like you, you walk everywhere with 70 pounds on your back.
2: Yeah. Actually, that's, that's exactly what I tell, I tell my girls. I say, like, well, you know do your laundry in your weight vest. Like, do, do everything in your <laughs> weight vest. Do, go grocery shopping in your weight vest. You should always have your weight vest on because you need to get used to just lugging that gear around. It's super, super heavy.
1: So. Well, let's let's get into that a little bit. So in terms of when you do the personal training for the female candidates in New York – um, but that's not well, personal
2: training. That's a class. I mean, that's right. a-
1: okay. Well, not... To, yeah, sorry. You can clarify exactly what it is. Um, so I guess from a motivational standpoint, what are you doing there versus what you're doing in sort of the pickup... Uh, well, in dating coach realm. Like, what, what are the similarities? What are the differences? What's the crossover? Like, what's that like?
2: Well, I mean... It's it's I would say that it's uh, very similar where, um, you either want it or you don't. Uh, you know it's funny because we get candidates who come in and a girl will show up and you know she'll either have to sit down or she'll go and puke, and you know we'll see her once, twice, three times, never see her again. But the ones who stick with it, they're awesome. I'm really proud of them. I'm I'm I love those girls. They are just so badass and so tough. And so um, – and just Will of Iron and, I'm, and every one of them who um, – uh, a number of them have now gone through the New York Fire Academy and, um, and emerged and come out um, harder and, and uh, as far as like what that what, – who, who comes – I mean I've probably trained uh, probably 40 or 50 women. And they, the most of them, just you know, most of them kind of are here and there. I think they're waiting for like there's a weird sort of list or roll call kind of thing for when they actually go into the academy. But um, but the the ones who are like really committed are are fewer and farther between. But when they actually go to the academy, they're really really well prepared. And, uh, but I think, I think the thing is, it's like most people just, I think I, I get the sense with a lot of the women that they, they want to say they're, that they're, they want to say that they're going to academy. They say they're thinking about being a firefighter and they like the feeling of like how cool that is, I mean, it's actually, it's a lot of which,
1: which, which to be honest could be said about anybody, whether it's a man or a woman, you know I mean? It's, it's sort of, every, everyone knows that fire, it's like everyone thinks that firefighters are, are good with, uh, maybe you should do like a crossover, like firefighter pickup group, and it's sort well, of like, I mean, well, isn't that like the fallacy? Like, that like, it sounds like a like terrible firefight. idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I think
2: that's you're, that's super misguided. Um, but uh, but, uh, but the but the yeah the thing is that they is it's similar because it's like most of them who come don't want it, and the ones who do are animals and are impressive and can do you know tremendous you know acts of overwhelming strength for these. I mean, and I'm just such a monster to these women. I'm so mean and say the meanest things and say just undermine them. I say misogynistic things. I'm so hard on them and and I just unrelenting and just treat them. I really grind them into the dirt and 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 then, you know, that's that's, that's what the job is. And then you know, but I also I tell them at the end, I'm like, this is what we're, you know, we're trying to prepare you for this paramilitary environment. We're trying to, pre- try to, you know, put you in a, so you understand what the mentality is like when you are, have a drill instructor, you know, screaming in your face. And, um, and I want them all to be strong enough. I want them all to be tougher. So it's a very different motivational strategies simply because, although I think in terms of all the instructors, I probably, you know, a lot of, a, I have a pretty brutal reputation just because I, I, I put up with so little bullshit, um, and and i i you know my view is on a workshop on a dating workshop i have like 3 days to cut to the quick i have 3 days to be like listen here's what's up here's your evaluation here's what you need to work on let's go see some change right now right now and um and so i'm I, but at the same time you have to you have to you got to really it's all about feelings whereas with the firefighters it's like you pick up the weight or you don't it's heavy you can do it or you can't and if you don't people die pick up the weight, every time you drop it you're dropping either a member of your team, you're dropping somebody's child you're killing someone, you're letting your team down, you're a failure, you shouldn't be here. So but I,
1: I can see the life or death stakes might not completely fly in the dating world, whereas the uh, in the firefighting world that totally makes sense um, But you know the- what? You know, the thing
2: about the dating thing is it can feel like life or death though, it isn't right. and, and the thing is, and sometimes yeah. with the, and the girls, the girls who don't commit, it doesn't feel like life or death they treat it like a class. I'm like, no, this isn't about that. This is about, do you have to be responsible for somebody writing a letter to somebody's family about why their child, why their husband, why their brother, why their sister, why their daughter died? Are you going to be that person? Or are you going to get through it? And are you going to rise above the challenge of your pain and fear and going to continue with this workout? And, and, the, and whereas there are some people who take the dating class and they're like, this is the most important thing. It, you know, I think that, you know, quite frankly, it's probably why I'm not a filmmaker. It wasn't life or death for me,
1: right? Making- yeah, I mean, that's these- sort of why the crux of the dichotomy of those two different things are really fascinating to, to us. <laughs> we wanted to have you on the show is that, you know, it's like it's almost as though the you want to instill the life or death mentality in the focus of what you're doing in the firefighting uh, realm, but it's the people who fail in the dating realm are people who take it way too seriously and can't take reje- rejection and can't take they can't take so they can't grow from this from the, themselves they can't um, look in the mirror correctly because it's just too harsh so it's it's interesting like you do stuff back to back like what's the gestation of how long <laughs> That's like really do funny. you go like do you I can imagine like I'm thinking of a movie now where you like you're in a movie. And well, first of all, I, I think of you like, this is all compares to Hitch. We'll get to Hitch in a second. But um, but you're in a movie where you teach by day, you teach uh, firefighting uh, skills and personal training, and by night you're a dating coach, and uh, and then you rob a bank at some point. But that's a whole different thing. That
2: but, is uh, that is often true. I mean, that's that is that is not a weird weekend for me. I mean, I've definitely had I've had days where you know noon to 2 on Sunday I'm training these firefighters and then at 3 p.m. I see, I start you know the lecture portion of my seminar so um I've definitely had you know I just you know, just wear a different hat you put it on and you just go I mean it's 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 uh the thing is it's i I'm very confident in my abilities in both departments and i'm very confident in my knowledge and so you know, that's why that's why they pay me so if Wait, uh, you're
1: wearing the the mercenary uh, podcast motto is you're wearing different hats but you're still wearing you're still hurting cats is is the, is, is the <laughs> you're right. still at the end of the day you're still uh you're still doing what you're doing um but you like it's like i i can imagine like some guy comes in to your because I feel like the, like the Hitch analogy is, and I'm sorry for going there, but it's like the, the one guy who's the guy who's in Burn Notice, so the, the main character, I forget his name, but he's in Hitch, and he's like, I don't care about learning about this the right way. Like, he doesn't really have the real, like, pickup mentality. He's like, I just want to meet some girl. I, I just want to have sex with her. I don't care about her. I, I just want to do this right away. He wants, like, the easy path. And I forget that character's name. But anyway, the point is that, you know, Will Smith's is like, well, that's not what I do. You know, like that's not like you need to actually grow into this, so I feel like uh, I feel like you have that and then you have the the firefighter trainees and you're just like and you're like no this is life or death this needs to happen right now
2: so well to, with, the, with the exception is i'm i'm totally cool with that character that's the difference that's <laughs> that, that the hollywood version is i wouldn't turn that guy down i be like cool okay cool you want to get laid a lot that's fine because the thing is that's what i think a lot of guys want and that's okay because that's kind of what guys are you know like i, I you know there's certain i think every guy is has this this attraction and desire to lots and lots and lots of different women, and then you know, my mom always like every every guy wants to sleep with as many girls as he can, and then some girl's going to knock him on his ass. And that's ex- I mean that's exactly what happened to me with my girlfriend. You no, know, your
1: mom is them. also the Machiavelli of South Florida. <laughs> she she, she so you said before your mom is just scheming. <laughs> she's not. Sch-
2: yeah, she, did, she she's a little scheming, but um, but uh, no, it's 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 it is. Uh, y- you know, I forgot what I was talking about.
1: <laughs> no, no, you're saying that like it's human nature. It's human nature for guys to want that and to want that out of your class, and that's not necessarily a problem. Yeah. Um, uh,
2: okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, okay. I got. I, okay. I'm not I on track. So. So yeah. It's it, 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 people. That's that's super normal. That's super duper normal for guys to want that, and it's also super normal for some girl or girls just be really special and to be rock stars and to all of a sudden bedazzle you and say no you know what i'm actually I'm actually cool with this one and it's also it's also the point where You're know, you like, oh, I just want to get laid. I want to get laid. And then you go, you know what? Actually, I've done that. Now I feel kind of hollow. I want to have a meaningful relationship. Ah, ah, I want to have a meaningful relationship with a bitch, though. Ah, I don't want to have a meaningful relationship with an idiot, though. Ah, I need to have kids. Like, we evolve. And it's like what my goal is is to give people the most optimal tool set to get the best results for whatever they need at whatever stage they are in their life. And the best way to do that is to help them understand human nature and social dynamics and to – and part of that is 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 um, understanding yourself. And like if you're one of these great if you're one of these guys who just came out of the womb and is like, "Man, all the girls want me." Then great. You don't need that introspection. You don't need that self-analysis. You don't need that hard look in the mirror. And that's awesome. You got your problems and I'm, you know, God bless you and take care of them, you know, whatever. You got your
1: Well, problems. right, but when those people fall, they fall hard. Or at least that's what movies yeah, tell me. Yeah, I almost feel, but- <laughs> I almost feel like
0: those people need the introspection the most. Because suddenly they realize, like, uh, I, I, this came so easy to me. I'm not even sure what I actually want. Well,
2: it's funny because you mentioned the uh, what. What is the demographic of my clients, of my right. date, dating clients? And with females, I'll get to that too. too that I've taught I've taught a number of female clients, but the um, but with men, so there are a handful. There's a, a disproportionate number of engineers, analysts, um, programmers, uh, doctors, scientists, uh,
1: uh, accountants. Um, Seems like people who are professionals with money who don't have a lot of social interaction outside of their Excel spreadsheet and yeah. want to meet people.
2: Right, and so that- you got a lot of that. You got a lot of that, right? But not not all of them, and not e- I wouldn't even say half of them, right? So some of them are just 18 to 22-year-old kids who aren't cool at all and have money. Some of them are… Um, uh, uh, some of them are like salespeople, but the interesting group are the divorcees. That's a really interesting group.
1: It's really well, let's, interesting. Let's, let's get to. There's two things that I mentioned. Well, no, that you mentioned to me a while ago. Uh, you had a few classes, right? So you had your initial class you also have this class called Breakthrough Comfort I, is, am I getting that right? is that yeah, yeah, what that's, was correct. that's correct and so that was like so you had your class just to kind of get better at being social and, and perhaps talk to women but you also had a class called Breakthrough Comfort which was okay I want to find the one now what is your class for divorcees and how is that different?
2: well okay so the divorcees what I mean but the reason why they're interesting is because they've sort of skipped this long dated dating period and there's this weird thing that happens in a lot of relationships which is you end up becoming a little needier um, and I think there are good reasons for that. My personal definition of love is the exchange of priorities and so when you really love somebody, you give them – you know, they, you give them your needs. They give you your needs and the more reciprocal that is, then the better the relationship is and the more – sort of the, the cleaner the power balance is. So
1: – You if, can definitely put that on a Christmas card somewhere. <laughs> right,
2: right. Exactly. It's very sweet. It's very very. – I'm super <laughs> sentimental. Um <laughs> But the uh, but with divorcees, you get like I, I so many guys in their late thirties and early forties who were cool as fuck, right? They were they were really cool. They show you pictures of their wives, hot. You know, they show me pictures of their kids. I'm like, who the fuck is it? Like, what's your daughter's name? I'm like, you shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And and they just go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know well, how. Well,
1: because they, they, yeah, they peaked. They peaked in peaked. high school. Yeah, they, they peaked in they, high school. They,
2: they snared that shit when they were 21, 22. They They're like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done, son. And then it just didn't count. And so they got to they figure out. They got to pick up the pieces. Um, and that's always really fascinating is when you get guys who are later, much later on in their late 30s. I've taught men who are up to 55 years old. And that's a really interesting set because they've lived a lot more life, they've had more personal success, and they've also achieved enough personal success that they got a lot more free time usually. And so they're sort of, you know, they're kind of trying to figure things out. And so those people who have crested and come down, really interesting because they have such, they've got such useful reference experiences that they can't necessarily tap into. And that's part of my job is helping them turn that key again. Um, but, um, yeah, so that that's that's a that's a fascinating thing to me. I'm not, I can't remember why I brought that up. I'm just apparently I'm just. Invited. No, it's
1: interesting. It's sort of like I imagine your pitch to them is sort of like it's like your uh, your midlife crisis has already happened. Now we, need to, now we need to turn the ship around. <laughs> I, don't know, but I, like, I like to think of it like
2: I am your midlife crisis. Like, right. I am the I am the, I'm, the messiah of your midlife crisis. Like I'm going to I'm going to help facilitate your midlife crisis. Like you're 45 years old, you want to date a 25 year old. Let's make that shit happen. So, um, but again, I, but that's the thing about where I what I don't like about Hitch. Is
1: <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's get back to Hitch. Let's, get, yeah, to, let's Hitch. get back to something we can all agree on. Which I don't is think about,
2: I know like, I, I think it's a good movie. I actually really like that movie. But but and it is it also thank God for it because then people say like they're like I don't understand what you do and I go just watch Hitch. That's, that's it. Like it's the same thing. It's just they're like the details. Right, I,
1: I just imagine you with Kevin James and like you're you're a great dancer. So <laughs> I imagine you just teaching people how to dance and yeah. and you're like and you're just like never ever do that again don't do this <laughs> don't do the spin move yeah that's yeah. that's what i imagine your typical but that's a good example so like are you are you the creepy guy like next to the guy who's trying to talk to a girl at a bar or are you like are you like right next to them or are you like doing hand signals do you have like spoke signals do you have carrier pigeons like what's 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 the actual process here
2: uh, I'm. I mean, yeah. I'm definitely. I'm. It really depends. I mean, depending on where the guy is and how he is, because I I've been doing this so, 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 so long. So I, I've got. I mean, I've had a lot of times where I'm actually the puppeteer. I'll actually put somebody's arm around a girl's, uh, back or put, you know, I'll move a hand and ha- and I will actually begin stroking a lower back with the guy's hand, um, or, 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 or like, wow. like, right. no, yeah, go. no, I mean, but, but, but that's, but that's, I'm saying cause that's the funny stuff. Right. And there's sometimes when I'll just be right behind a guy and I'll look like I'm talking to somebody else and I say, kiss her, you know, like, or I'll say like, I'll see be like, be like, you need to move, you need to take her to the bar, like go. Um, and then, but there's sometimes where I just I just watch because the thing is I can learn from body language. I can see from a girl's facial expression if she's bored or if she's upset or if she's or if she's interested. And I can see his body language is needy, furtive, nervous, uh, too interested, relaxed, cool, whatever. I can I can see all that stuff perfectly fine from you know 20 feet away. And depending on what the guy needs, that's that's what I provide. And 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 the thing is that. I, both both uh, my instructors and I are just we're just ninjas. Like we're we're gonna be where we need to be, and that's uh, that's reflected in the fact that we just barely ever get refunds. So we just we just swoop in like Batman and go, hey, what's up?
1: So, would you ever consider being the spy? I mean, it seems sort of uh, I, I, well. I mean, joking aside, but would you do? It seems like a lot of this, obviously, from sort of the motivational perspective, is. Like, do you ever coach people in Fortune 500 companies? Like, a lot of this is human interaction and you watching people and you reading people's expressions, right? You're reading people's emotions. You're reading people's day-to-day what is going on to have a result. I'm sort of – is that sort of right?
2: Uh, I mean without question and I think that I am very, very good at that and I think it makes me a very effective coach. It makes me an effective uh, – makes me an effective trainer. It gets – it helps me connect with my clients on a very intimate and personal level. It makes me a, um, a very uh, – uh, it makes me good with my training, with my um, dating coach clients but um, I haven't been approached to do that at, in an executive position but I've, I – I – I I wouldn't turn it down. I mean, it's it certainly sounds interesting to me. I just it hasn't come up. I mean, if anybody's listening, if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you're listening to this podcast, uh, you should probably get back to work. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I think that there's a, a there's a ton of demand for that kind of thing. For like how how to in you know at the, at the like upper levels um, of being a professional, how do you really? Um, manage these political situations without being manipulative or without being, without being like Frank Underwood. I think that that's what most people think that.
2: Don't be Frank Underwood. What's wrong with
1: you? <laughs> yeah, I, but wait, I, I, why I, would you a, not
2: be Frank Underwood? I mean, I, I, feel a, like, don't I feel like anything Frank people, Underwood is like, like, the people. basis
1: for reality. In,
2: in I'm right. gonna say like, don't murder people. That yeah, I'm not with him there, but like besides <laughs> that, like wait, come on, man. I haven't
1: watched that much of that show. Does he murder somebody?
2: <laughs> no. What are you talking about? What <laughs> yeah, spoiler but, yeah, alert? Yeah, we'll be, spoiler yeah, alert. Like,
1: yeah, there's the, he doesn't murder anybody or have a weird threesome or whatever. No, flicks, no, there's no floats his boat. There's you know? no just, super yeah. fucking
2: weird exactly. threesome <laughs> in the second season. No way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's not like any of that happens. It's not like no. Uh, no, no
0: th- what I'm saying is like there there is a <laughs> there's there's a ton. Seriously, of, a seriously, go Dan, go watch Dan, it right Dan, now, Dan. Dan,
2: yeah. what the fuck was that? Right? Like, what, what was I
1: watching? Why I was what? I? I was actually pretty happy about. Hold that. on, I'm, I'm turn it on. <laughs> I, I got
0: to finish the rest
1: of the first season. I was pretty happy about that because I was just sort of like, "This is the most ridiculous thing that could happen," and I, I think <laughs> this is, I, like, I'm, I was just like really happy that I went there. Yeah, Matt, I mean, whatever. Matt, Matt, whatever. Matt will find out soon, and Matt will just be like, as soon as there was that whole um, throughout the first pitch uh, narrative in episode like three or four, and then he was playing catch with the guy. Like as soon as that happened, you are like, "Okay, th- there is some weird stuff that's going to happen," and uh, yeah. it was. Uh, Matt's like so confused right now, it's okay.
2: Right, I was. We're spoiling this for not just listeners, but also for this poor guy who's your co-host. So I think that, that no, but
1: it, but if anyone hasn't watched that at this point, like it's like me ruin. It's like me saying that Bruce Willis is dead in the Sixth Sense. It's like if you haven't watched it at this point, like you're 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 lost. Said, so Romeo and
2: Juliet both die. Spoiler alert! I can't believe you ruined that for me. Right.
1: So. What's weird though is that like wasn't I feel like there was some weird like law in the 1700s about because like Romeo and Juliet were both like 12 like no one like talks about that but it's think, like kind of it's kind of weird yeah,
2: Juliet Julia was 12 i think romeo was a little older than that but uh because it's uh it was that line that's uh younger younger girls and her happy mothers made um because i think it was uh was it it was uh, paris was arguing with uh capulet about about that at, at some point anyway um right. Right. well Matt,
1: matt's Matt, matt's in absentia he's, he's googling uh he's what what happened um, anyway he's
2: actually but- watching house of cards right now he's actually gone off and watch. he's he's no longer with us so if uh if any of your listeners their favorite part of the show is matt monahan
1: then uh you're sol he's so. he's, he's out it's um but it brings <laughs> <laughs> but it brings me like what's really interesting is uh about all of this to me are it's two things it's Okay, so what's the, the female perspective of uh, how, you, how you go about pickup artistry from a – how you teach women to find men? And, and the second part of this is how technology – this is a whole other clusterfuck – but how technology impacts all of this. Because it seems as though what you just said about human interaction – It seems that you're a student of the game, not of pickup artistry, but you're a student of the game of human interaction and human emotion and analyzing all of that on the fly. So I want to get into how social media and technology, whether it's Tinder, whether it's how people interact in the 21st century, how that impacts what you teach. But let's first go to how you would teach women to pick up men after doing much of the opposite for many years.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is it's, it's very, first of all, it's very similar where, um, one of the issues that is that women are often, uh, more reluctant to take that hard look in the mirror because with men, uh, you know, the, like the initial problem of I'm super, super lonely and horny and, and don't know what to do is, um, they attack it. They can attack it differently. Um, you can tell a guy like, "Ignore your feelings and let's just do this." Whereas, whereas with women, it's it's a little harder to to get them to sort of to go through with that. Um, but I think that the biggest thing for women is um, is probably getting to accept themselves and to put themselves out there more and to change their venue. I think there's a tendency to have that inertia, and a lot of women, especially professional, like the majority of the women that I've taught, are um, young, prof- or excuse me, um, they're they're young to sort of middle-aged professionals who are very smart, very educated, very successful, and um, and you know they're like, well, I, you know, I do this, I do this, I'm this position, and they go, you go, yeah, but like you know, you you got to recognize that you're you're playing on a you're you're playing on the same feel with like a twenty five year old and a double D. So what do you what do you you know, you got you can't ignore that reality. So you have to go to places where you are going to meet the men that you are going to be interested in, that you can create that dynamic and you have to dress dress to impress because the game's not fair. Um I go to the gym, the game is not fair. And um and and also be willing to make the first move and face some rejection. I think that's a, a huge thing is that uh, for a lot of women, because they're not biologically wired – or maybe it's not wired. Maybe it's cultural. I don't know. You know I mean? There's a, I, think I, think
1: there's, it's, I think it's really like a Hollywood cultural thing where it's a – it's like everyone's sort of taught that the guy needs to make the first move, right? And I actually think that uh, to me – I think independently, the most successful strategy would be for any girl who puts a guy on his heels immediately, because as soon as that happens, yeah, then I, I feel because I, I feel like suddenly you're, you're like you're like oh he's out of his element right like he's out of like whatever he thought like would happen in this situation, and then suddenly maybe he overcorrects or maybe I'm thinking too technically, but that's that's to it, me what it, I would think.
2: maybe except that the male ego is a very fragile thing, and the and and also men a lot of you know like you 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 guys aren't animals necessarily or or I don't know I've been there but you know well women face a lot of judgment for you know putting out too early or um, not putting out or you know the the yes
1: the whole sex on the first date conversation is a whole well I, it's mean, a it's
2: I mean like again you brought up Tinder. it's like well what do you what what is a what's a girl to do because there's a lot of guys who are like well you're not girlfriend material you're not marriage material if you put out on the first date but then there are a lot of guys who are like but that girl will I'm going to go see her because I I know that she will you know she's going to shovel flesh so I I think that that's a that's a that's a that's a brutal a brutal thing and so I think the what I try to say to what I would say to any woman listening is that It's, you know, the very first thing is that you cannot trade sex for love. And then women have been doing that for time immemorial, where um, men will trade love for sex and women will trade sex for love. And I think that that is a maybe that's not, you know, again, I I haven't lived in that. um, According to Dan Savage, uh, women are just as horny, and the only thing that stops them from doing it is uh, the threat of disease, pregnancy, and violence. But um, that's that's not my personal experience, so you know maybe maybe I'll be proven wrong. But um, I think that uh, when I speak to a lot of women, they're like, "Well, I do want a committed and and emotionally significant relationship, and they um, they're not necessarily having sex because it's because it's fun. They're having sex because they think that's what the guy wants, and not because they're comfortable. And it's like, well, you know, you, you're not necessarily going to get that. And so if you're putting up with a guy, you probably shouldn't be there. And the other thing. I would say to anybody uh, is if somebody makes you feel bad consistently, freaking bail, and yeah. that's I think that's yeah, the
1: regardless thing. of the relationship or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Um, well, what do you say to say you had a client who was say thirty and was looking for a long term relationship but wasn't exactly where to mm-hmm. to go? Um, it seems like changing scene is a big thing when you advise women versus men totally like yeah. like it, it why is that is it just because like what you're doing already doesn't work so naturally makes sense the change scene or what is the like what is the uh the hypothesis behind that or is it- well it's
2: like what do you what what if you if you are like a lot of girls like well i don't meet them at work events It's like well don't go to work events like go to some someplace else what are you looking for who are you looking for and where can you put yourself in the path of men who have the things that you value and want. And 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 what I find over and over again is that a lot of females just kinda do the exact thing that they've been doing because that's what they want to do and that's what they find interesting and it's what they or it's what their friends want to do or it's what is the most sort of social this the best social groove for them to fit in and they don't necessarily think, I want a guy who does this and likes this and is interested in this that's something that I would find really, really um, fantastic as they don't try to uh, sort of pull those social vows the reason why it's relevant is because I'm you know I try to I, I, the best solution is you see a cute guy talk to him the best solution is exactly the way that I would teach a guy but that's just not real that's not that's not realistic to ask that of a lot of women right it's not it's not real so saying to a woman like well you need to start approaching guys it's like well that you just cut out a lot of women they're just not gonna do that so what you have to do is say, well, if you're going to be passive about it, if you're going to be passively there, then you need to optimize where you're being passive, how you're being passive and what you're being passive around. And so so that's like, you know, if you go out in a group of 5 or 6 girls, that's intimidating. If you go out with 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 even one dude in your group, that's intimidating. Go out with 2 to 3 women, Go to places where the guys that you want congregate periodically. Go off on your own so that a guy has the opportunity to sort of pick you off like a stray. So the guys are not afraid to approach, and don't be surprised that if you're in a meat market that you meet meaty men. You meet you know guys who who have a bit more carnivorous appetite as opposed to say charity functions or gallery openings or anything you know or or or. Um, you know, just, you know, whatever. Whatever. I don't want to keep. I don't want to just list a million things because it really is particular for the girl. I think anybody, everybody needs to kind of get on board with rejection because I think that if you can't deal with with, and, and, and that's another thing. It's like this reason why a lot of women just have never had to face actual serious repeated dating rejection. What they've had to do is a guy doesn't reciprocate. It's a different kind of thing, but it's not the same thing as like walking up to somebody and having them say no thanks. That's not most women's reality, um, and so that is you know it's 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 easier I think for for men to, to get on board with that because it's part of our social role. Just 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 blast, just go like, look, you need to approach, you need to approach a lot, you need to get fearless, and you need to just deal with rejection, but. I think the part of it is you have to you have to accept that there's a learning curve. If you're trying to do something new, you have to deal with the reality that it's not going to work right away all the time. Just like practicing martial art, learning how to lift weights, picking up guitar, whatever you want to choose your skill. If it's foreign, if it's something brand new, then it probably is going to have uh, some hiccups. And in social situations, that means the consequence of rejection, uh, looking weird, being awkward. And um, and in, uh it, whereas in other things it's like you know screwing up a chord on the guitar or or falling on your face doing uh, uh, a gata or or getting your shit choked doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu right so um, that that uh, is is a pretty hard pill for a lot of girls to swallow so I just try to say like you know do do as, c- control as many variables as you possibly can and I think that's the thing is I think a lot I think a lot of women. My experience of coaching most women don't take full accountability of the variables that they have in their lives because they think, "Well, I've got all this going for me, and why? You know, why am I not meeting these guys when they aren't manifesting enough decision making in those in the in in that area of their lives and where they're going? How what 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 is the dating ratio and dating dynamic they're pointing out? Like I said, like speaking from lots of experience going out with a group of seven girls it's like that's what do you, you know a lot of guys just aren't going to approach that they're just you know they're not they're not going to or if they do it's because they've been emboldened by liquid courage more guys are going to approach groups of two or three girls because it's less intimidating
1: and, yeah but it never works out and it, it always ends in like it, like some sort of like co- like conversation that means nothing no one actually makes a move no one does anything and it doesn't work out like it's sort of the it's it, it kind of goes back to the beautiful mind in what
2: in what situation
1: no, when, when there's when there's like three guys and there's eight girls in a group. Oh like, yeah, like no, it's it's, never- it's you know it's it's. Lions chasing gazelles in different directions is just not going to work out. Um, I've seen but,
2: everything. I mean, I've seen it work out, but you're right. I mean, often it doesn't play out. It's sort of like the uh, the bachelorette party is the sort of idea of like, oh, it's going to go to the bachelorettes. They're they're crazy, you know there's they're having a slutty night. It's like no, they're not. They're packed <laughs> to like not go home with anybody. They're, and like if, if one of them leaves, she's betrayed all the girls in the group, and there are going to be all this drama. They're not going yes. anywhere. They're not going home with anybody exactly except right. For, right. except for the one slutty girl who will.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Well,
2: which, I feel like By the way, I love that girl. She's great. Like that's not that's that's that is uh but there's only there that's not the group and it's not like the bachelorette party is itself a like a magical winter wonderland of of uh of girls who are on the prowl. It's girls who particularly are not on the prowl. Wedding receptions
1: are a different story. So. That, that's a weird <laughs> social norm where it's like the yeah, as somebody who made a movie where certain characters wear a penis tiara on their heads uh, in a bachelorette party, I, I know firsthand. But it's like the bachelorette party is a weird thing where it's like it's like we need to collect fifteen things, like we need to collect a, a single guy's underwear and this, and it's actually like a very innocuous get together. Like right. it's it's very. It's very uh, it's very harmless, um, just because it's except, like it's- except
2: when Jennifer just got drunk and just got sloppy and puked all over the bathroom, and then Christine and Amber had to go and pick her up, and she just got they had to like drag her and throw her in a cab. Ugh. Jennifer, what a
1: drunk! No one likes Jennifer, um, but you know the whole controlling variables thing. It could be applied to anything. You said it's all about controlling variables. I mean that, that's sort of what I try and do. It's like if I. If I'm making a movie and and I can't I can only control one or two things, whether it's post production or, or whatever's gonna go on, like I'm gonna try and do that because it just like you have to do that constantly in, in life and business and everything else. Like there's there's really no other way to go about things. So it, it seems like common sense, but it's also it seems to me like a lot of the people you talk to just don't do that in their day to day lives. But um. I think,
2: but but that's it. but again, like you said, it's everything. So it's 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 about mindfulness. I think is is the word you're really looking for. Is is what are you paying attention to, and what are you defaulting to? And if you uh, if you accept your default, if you accept the sort of just your, your your path of least resistance because it's what you've programmed or what somebody else has programmed into you, then uh, real concrete change is very very difficult or impossible and it and so whether it's uh, forging a meaningful workout habit or whether it's figuring out how you're going to unfuck your dating life it, it requires a certain amount of of uh, stopping to smell the roses so to speak and sometimes those roses are dead and dying and shitty and you have to pick pluck them out and plant new roses um, and, and, and I think that whether that's producing, whether it's putting something together, and and sort of going, okay, what are all the pieces that are here? What are the variables? What needs to be changed? What is? How do I? How do I make this thing work? Uh, whatever whatever the moving parts are, if you if you want to get really really good at a thing. Then you have to be. You have to take stock. You have to do an inventory, and um, that's really hard for a lot of people. And I and and I and I include myself in that. It's I've I've been um, uh, successful at reinventing myself in a lot of ways, in a lot of uh, uh, different a uh, number of different times. But I still have you know I have enormous faults that uh, that I, I I hope that I have the uh, personal fortitude and wisdom to to change, um, but. But that, but like, you know, I think that's, that's everybody, you know.
1: Well, how do you feel about social media's, uh, presence in the dating scene and how it relates to what you do? And, and ultimately it seems to me that sort of what you teach potentially is sort of like above and beyond any kind of social media interaction, but like, how do you feel about technology in that space? I mean, I think
2: it's great. Um, I think that, um there are kinks to work out i think that there are issues like i think that there's some former founders of tinder who are um or some of the people who who were there at the beginning who are trying to do a thing where um only women can initiate conversations and they have to do it within 24 hours of matching i think that's kind of cool because it's sort of a direct antidote to some of the problems on tinder um i think that uh in light of the traditional social institutions, whether it's the church or mixers or you know whatever the, the you know various clubs and and stuff, uh, where where all of us are a kind of diaspora from small towns moving into these urban centers, and the traditional structures of dating and meeting have evaporated, and the uh, Bars and clubs give you no context other than other people. You know, it's like, oh, that's another human being. It's like, well, you know, our tribes might have been at war 400 years ago. Who knows? Uh, I think that it's good. It's a. Uh, it's. I think that Tinder is uh, analogous to pickup or dating coaching in a lot of ways because it's a technological remedy to a technologically introduced problem that is. Sort of just part of the speedway toward wherever we're going in terms of global, global uh, telecommunication and instantaneous contact. And I—I uh, I mean, I—I I was not looking for a girlfriend when I was using Tinder, and I love my girlfriend very much. And you know, would not have called it, would not have said that that was where I was going to meet uh, this amazing woman. And so uh, that is just how the cards played out but all I was doing was swiping right and looking for a booty call so um i think that it is it's probably a net good but i think it's also like it's a temporary stopgap i i do worry about people losing their overall social capacity because they're stuck behind screens but i think that those worries will be allayed by future remedies, the same way that pickup came out of it, and the same way that Tinder is a ter- is a solution. OkCupid is a solution. Um, I think that the that that we need to socialize so badly. We because it's it's how we pick our mates and how we continue to. Continue, that's how we continue the species. So we have to find those solutions. So we will because there's there's a need that's to, that's uh, for, well. It's uh, kind
1: of interesting. It's like I've I've never used Tinder, but I mean, Matt, you could speak to this. Uh, are or you Thompson. single? No, I, I, I I'm in a three year uh, long term relationship.
2: Oh okay. That's why you haven't used Tinder. Okay.
1: okay. Yeah, yeah. It's right. only been right. out for like two years. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say,
2: like if you're if you're single and you're not using Tinder, you are duh um. Um that that yeah, you're <laughs> I, you're, I, you're, mean, you're I,
0: I I try to use as many things as possible and like I've no no shame about it just because I'm just like, you know what, I'm pretty busy and if if there's like it it really doesn't matter, uh like how many different dating sites you're using at one time?
2: I agree. I agree. I, I actually I say it's uh, you, you. It's good to have multiple sources of income. So with my with my clients, <laughs> that's,
0: I, a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because that's that's kind of what it it's, is. It's,
2: it's you know I I say if you if you have the skill set to approach women on the street during the day, fucking do that. If you have the skill set to go out at night, fucking do that. So
0: yeah, that's so that's the thing. It's like I've never had a long term relationship originate. Um, online it's always been either someone who i've been introduced to uh through people that i know um but actually i think more often than that it's just been you know i'm at a party um i'm at i'm at a bar and you know i just i just go up to a girl and strike up a conversation and you know get a number and take them out to dinner and see if, see if it works
1: it, but but that but that's sort of like you you went to that party because you knew somebody else and so there's sort of a common it's like anyone who was there has a common social so
0: yeah I think that that is an important component that it's hard to you can't measure it but I think the fact that you have this context that where your your first interaction originated in the the real world or that you're you know you can just say oh well, you know that's I'm Sarah's friend uh, you know. That kind of thing, which you should
1: say, regardless of that, whether that's true, like you should just <laughs> yeah. say that. And, yeah.
2: and, and well, especially if you there is no Sarah, then you you know you, at least you have you can make up. You like you don't know Sarah? Where, who are you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like yeah. Well, there, there's there's an aspect of, of user experience where it's it's um, you know something is uh, reflective. Uh, this is from a book by Don Norman called Emotional Design, and um, Uh, It's it's just like how does this whatever the the, either the product is or you know in this case a relationship like how does it reflect upon you and make you feel uh, as a person so like a a, you know a product can be uh, I think it was it's like functional um, was it functional reflective and something else but it was basically just like does this thing do the job Uh, you know if it's like I'm speaking to a microphone right now it works. Um, and then when it's reflective, it means like, what does owning this microphone say about me? Like, what does owning a Porsche say about you as a person? Like, you're the if you're the kind of person that that owns a Porsche. Um, but I think that that applies to relationships because it's it's just like, well, you know, I it's uh, you, you really we had this great story about how we met. Like, you know, I, I know I know this girl through Sarah. You know, they're best friends, and. It, that kind of that plays a part in how that person uh thinks about you so so like if you're if you're going a date with somebody from you know ok cupid and you you don't really know them through any other means except for ok cupid when that person starts to kind of question be like you know do i want to do i want to still keep going out with this person there's there isn't that like rock of of like you know what like i met them through sarah and sarah's pretty awesome uh and it, it's, it's a lot easier to just go, you know what? No, I'll just – I can find somebody better. Even I, the social commonality of,
1: of all that.
2: It, it, what I think you would, uh, you would both really get a, a kick out of is a recent book by Christian Rudder called Dataclism. And uh, he talks yeah. about this pretty explicitly, where he says that according to, uh, to so Christian Rudder is a co-founder of OkCupid, so a lot of his data comes from 33 million users, or maybe it's 50 million. But it's
0: I love their data users. blog; it's it's one yeah. of the best. Well, this uh... is
2: this is what that came from. So this is the same guy who wrote the data blog, and it's the book. If any of you are listening to this, stop yeah. what you're doing right now and go get Dataclysm. It is I I I. I there is no amount of, of selling I can do more forceful than this book. This book is – everybody should read this book. It is astonishing, the kind of revelations he makes by just taking large amounts of data and putting them together. But one of the things he says is that that is an enormous determining factor of whether or not relationships will survive is how interconnected your friend groups are how you know how many people do you have in common, and how many people do you bring together? Because then your tie is not uh, your tie is not uh, sort of theoretical; it's not purely emotional. There's real life stuff that's weaving you together, and that bond um, makes you harder to break apart. Uh, whereas if you're just meeting off the internet, then it's literally it's just like, well, I'm just going to sever this and get over it. And once you do, then that person becomes a story in the past. Um, mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's a very uh, it's very telling. It's very telling, and it's it's an interesting uh, observation simply because the guy wrote it, co-founded OKCupid, so he's you know he didn't meet his wife online, so he's. He's in a way it's almost it's it's kind of damning for his product except that he's, you know it's, if there's any I, I think most people reading that book probably want to be like well I'll check out OkCupid but um, <laughs> but uh, but it's just interesting because that he reinforces it and he does it with a, a, a ton of data um, that exact thing that you said that that uh, and he gives a lot of cool names for it that I can't pull off the top of my head so.
1: It's been it's been pretty fascinating. I mean, honestly, I feel like there's a whole other three hours we could talk about random stuff. Yeah, but we I could do, like, do it again.
0: I'll yeah, it we could do another have one. Me back.
2: Have me back. I, I'd be more than happy. I just, I've had a lot of. I love. I love uh, reconnecting with you guys, and you, I would just as, uh, just as easily shoot the shit with you over beers. And if we have to do it with microphones and thousands of miles between us, then that's okay too.
1: That's fun. The beers were here. We were still here. It's all good. <laughs> my
2: Moscato is here.
1: Yeah, your Nicki Minaj Moscato. <laughs> my Nicki
2: Minaj Moscato is here. <laughs>
1: That's great. What 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 is that? By the way, I don't understand. So it's it's called, a des- it's, it's a dessert wine that she has branded. What? Yeah, it's, it's
2: called. I'm looking at. It's called Myx Mix and uh, Mix Fusions. And uh, when I asked uh, lady, I said, uh, "Hey, uh, you have any alcoholic beverages?" And she came in and and. Padded in here with uh, with a uh, with a mixed fusions, and she said, "This is Nicki Minaj's wine." I was like, "Hey, whatever." So I've been sipping on my dessert wine throughout this discussion and <laughs> feeling super masculine as I talk
1: about it. So that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic.